I just want you to know, like, this is a super awkward thing. In general, all of them, especially with me and the coworker, like, they're always just really awkward. And I think that's part of their charm. So... Welcome back to another edition of the book club without a club, without joy. And instead, we're hanging out with a special guest, Ben Arzate, the author of Music Is Over. See if I get that on the screen, even though it's a podcast, I put them on YouTube sometimes. I like to. Yeah. I said that that artwork by Mark Wilson deserves to be seen. He did an amazing job on that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You also pick up as we keep going that I'm. I'm a very awkward. I don't mean to be awkward, but I, I'm just this. This who I am. I probably shouldn't be drinking coffee this late too, but here we are. It's, I mean, that's the charm of these. <laughs> but so um, it's been described as a bizarro novel. What is that? What is define bizarro? The uh, elevator pitch for bizarro is that it's like. Um, you know how in there's like video stores used to have a, a cult section, so there you would find like trauma movies, weird B movies, uh, maybe you'd find like Lynch and Hodorowski there, Jodorowsky, mm-hmm. um, uh, Jan Schwankmeyer, uh, like a mix of the B movies and the weird um, artsy movies. Uh, that's basically what Bizarro is. It's a uh, an attempt to sort of replicate that feel in literary form. Okay, I knew I. I knew I gravitated towards this and liked it so much because just the other day I had to explain to a coworker who the toxic Avenger was. We did a deep Google dive and everything. So, so awesome. You brought Otrova. Like it's been so long since someone else has been like, Oh yeah. You know, cough or what was his name? Oh, Lloyd Kaufman. Lloyd Kaufman. I almost said Andy Kaufman. I knew I was the yeah. opposite end of that spectrum. Totally wrong there. Maybe not completely opposite. They were both pretty weird. One of both pretty weird. So yeah. So um, needless to say, the the book is very weird, but in like the best way. It it doesn't start off that way, but as you keep going down the rabbit hole, it just keeps getting more and more wild, and it's just it's such a slippery ride. It's so much fun. It's such a fun book. Um, the main character. Um, Juntaro, did I say that right? Juntaro, I, I believe that's how it's pronounced, yes. He's a he's a real person, right? Uh, yes, yes, he is. He's oh. the uh, the lead of the uh, Japanese noise band, the Garo Gary Gay Gay Gay. So how did how did this come about of taking this this actual figure and putting him into this fictional world? And I guess to kind of piggyback on the question as well, the whole so the, the novel, there's a disappearance. So did this person actually disappear? Or did you incorporate, is this fictional for the story? They actually had disappeared. Um, they, uh, like, they just, they put out, like, one last EP that came across as very, that uh, uh, definitely indicated he was going through something. And then he just dropped off the face of the earth for almost a decade. And then he just came back. Um, and that, you know decade of where he was missing you know was a big inspiration of me um to really like get into my thought process of the inspiration of it i have to go back to my first novel which also gives me a chance to uh, shill it uh the story of the why um this is put out by cabal books back in 2019 
this is about a music journalist who um, tries to track down the mysterious musician Y. Beckhurst, who um, uh, there was a single, uh, Y. Beckhurst released a single and, a, uh, and an album, and then completely fell off the face of the earth. Like, there are no pictures of him. Nobody knows who he is. Nobody knows if it's an actual band or just one person. And so uh, listening to that album, um, I got inspired to write a story about a music journalist trying to track them down. And, um, you know, um, not too long after that, um, the uh, you know, I've been a fan of the Garo Gary Giga Gay for a while now. Um, and other like Japanese noise music, like uh, the Boredoms, Merzbao, things like that. Um, so I got the idea of, you know, why don't I do a spiritual sequel to the story of the why that tells the story of a musician disappearing from the musician's perspective. And Juntaro seemed like the, uh, the most logical uh, person for that. That's, that's fantastic. Like, I don't know. That's just so, so neat how you took so much inspiration from like life and other art forms and then combined them into something that is completely unique for sure. So that with that, so you just took the imp- inspiration from from the the albums and the disappearance of the artist. Have you been to Japan, or are you just like really good at like top notch research? Yeah, I did a bunch of research because I wanted it to have that um, vermicitude of um, you know referring to uh, real places at the time. You know, Juntaro would have disappeared, and you know, uh, trying to you know track what some of the changes are, you know, the decade after he comes back. Um, but that, that's also partially why it's set in like a fictional made up city is so I didn't have to do that for the whole book. <laughs> Cause yeah, I mean, it, it, it's the mark of, of good writing too, where I couldn't tell if you actually like lived in Japan at some point or just, just dug in and found as much as you could and just channeled that through you. So yeah. fantastic job there. For I sure. guess that's uh, that's part of it is um, you know being able, writing these types of stories gives me the chance to do the traveling in my head because the only time I've actually been outside the United States is uh, when I went to Morocco for a friend's wedding, um, but I, I can't really afford to like travel out of the country on a regular right. basis, so it's nice to be able to like immerse myself in these um, um, in these worlds that actually in these countries that exist through my own lens. Right. So you, uh, do you set a lot of other stories in, in various places or is it just kind of just wherever the character takes you? Well, yeah, my uh, first novel, The Story of the Why, it takes place mostly in Mexico, a mostly fictionalized Mexico. Um, my, uh, it was the second published but third written novel, Elaine. Uh, it takes place in Upper Michigan, which I actually um, have been to. I went there um, on a regular basis because... Um, that's where my grandpa is from. Um, so with that, um, I feel there's that there was more. Uh, I've tried to put more of like the subjective feeling of uh, how I would experience like um, Upper Michigan, um, and that's true of the other two. But um, I also uh, had to incorporate a bunch of research into it. Okay. Yeah. No. It like I said the 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 research definitely definitely pays off for this this story um with the uh the characters 
did they kind of just appear as you were writing it or did you have a plan to have these different eccentric characters that that would be met along the way how did how did the I guess how did the process go with the uh because it's almost like a Alice in Wonderland Wizard of Oz kind of thing where they're going down a path in a way and they're just meeting different people so how did the how did this cast and crew of eccentric eccentric people just show up um, well, when I when I write, I tend to not use an outline. Um, I tend to have just a vague plan of where I want it to go. Um, so for the most part, um, most of the characters did, um, you know, they did just kind of pop up as the uh, as the story went along. Um, the character of Katono, was, I guess the co-star of the book, was I guess the only one who was really like planned from the very beginning. Um, and the um, other characters, I'd say, that were planned from the beginning are the characters of uh, Keith and uh, Dr. O, which um, uh, those two are a reference to another musician, if you uh, are familiar with um, uh, the, I guess, war of, of them. I won't, like, name who, uh, because I think that's part of the fun, but it, it would be obvious to someone who's a huge fan of that musician. The reason I was curious about them in particular, too, is because I... I love their back and forth and how they were like hunting or he was hunting the doctor down. And then the scene where they meet the, <laughs> the rainbow colored blood is just fantastic. But I loved how you also characterize the doctor in such a subtle way where you said there was something off and you couldn't figure it out. And then finally just kind of tucked in there. You're like, Oh, he never blinked. And I thought that was just, fantastic i thought that was just wonderful yeah that made sense to me because like it's portrayed as like having a skull for a head so i just imagined him having like this uh skin mask over it that doesn't fit quite right and doesn't actually blink that's that's fantastic so um also just a couple other things that i've unconventional things that i i really enjoyed about the book was one thing was your copyright statement which i i loved it i mean it's <laughs> it's it's inviting people to just take something you've created and just run with it further and i ideas kept coming it was like well what if you know i blacked out every couple of lines and made a poem or something i just i love the idea that you're just willing to share your work in a creative commons kind of way. I guess I should preface that. So if someone's listening, what the, the copyright actually actually says, was that something you intended to do or you just decided later or? Well, that's uh, something that I do with uh, the books that I self-published. I publish them under what I call anti-copyright, which basically means I put them directly in the public domain. Like with uh, my other publishers, obviously like there's the issue of the publishers. So you know, I'm, I'm not going to like say, hey, don't copyright this. But Malarkey Books uh, invited me to um, to do what I wanted with the copyright. So I wanted to do that because, you know, I have a very strong belief um, that uh, ideas can't be owned. Um, and I'm uh, really in favor of people like doing things like remixes um, and incorporating plagiarism into their own work and things like that. So is there, uh, has anyone... Do you know of any pieces out there that are, are based off based off anything you've done yet? Or, or how does that how does that all work? Or you just if they tell you great and if they don't, great. 
yeah, they aren't required to. I would prefer they did because I want to see it, but, um, you know, if someone has, then they haven't told me. Okay, yeah. I mean, I still, I just love, I mean, you know, obviously I work at a library, so I'm always like, you know, everything's free. It's just take it, just bring it back later. I don't know. So the fact that you're kind of doing that same idea with something yeah. you created, I think is is wonderful. It was, and, it was definitely something I felt the need to uh, double down on when I saw authors who I won't name complaining about archive.org. I'm like, screw you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just, please pirate my books if you want to. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I, I try to do a thing where if you uh, if that, that I, this is another thing I should say if anyone um, sends has given like any amount of money to any local mutual aid associations um, email me proof and I'll send you one of my votes for free oh that's awesome so go ahead and uh, uh, I guess state your email so if that it's uh, ben arz13 at gmail.com there it is so you might uh if you don't, if you're not around the uh, Jefferson Public Library, then that's a great way to snag a copy of one of one of the books here. The uh, other unconventional thing that I really loved was how every every chapter started with one, two, three, four. I I just I love that I, something about it, like every because the the chapters are really short, your pacing's quick, so it's just like little punk songs over and over, and it's just like one, two, three. I I loved it so much. Did you uh? Yeah. Did that come as you were writing or did it come later? How did that come about? Well, that's what the Garo Gary Gagage does. Like at the beginning of uh, a lot of their songs, they'll just scream out one, two, three, four. Um, it, it, usually if it's like, even if it's just like a minute of them screaming. Uh, so like every other minute you'll hear them just screaming one, two, three, four. Uh, one of the uh, funniest ones um, that they did that on was um, a recording where the A side, they scream one, two, three, four at the beginning, and then it's like a two or three minute recording of someone taking a and then the B side is again them screaming one, two, three, four, and then it's like a two or three minute recording of someone. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, you can see why they inspire me so much. Like the the um the title of course is based off of um a, a recurring saying that the Garo Gary Gay does, which is um post uh dedicated to no one art is over that's okay just, music is over yeah no it's because i think that's a isn't that near the yeah that's one of the uh epigraphs at the beginning i thought that sounded familiar that's and uh one of the other things that i i loved but it was surprising is how by the end how like almost hopeful the book is um because like i said it, it it's dark and it's it's weird it's wild and then it's it's so like uplifting did did you did you plan to kind of end it towards something like that or did that just come naturally as you as you um, I felt it uh, kind of came naturally because especially because um you know Juntaro did eventually start making music again and I think it, the new music is just as great as the old stuff so seemed natural to me to end it on a on a hopeful note yeah i mean it definitely it definitely um definitely comes through in the in the reading for sure um i don't know you want to you want to read a little bit of it or um, time or sure. you feel like it i know you said you were a little little stuffy but... that's cool 
Um, I'll go ahead and uh, read the first chapter, if that's okay. This is uh, chapter one of Music is Over. Juntaro fixed his makeup in the mirror. In the bed of the Love Hotel room, the chubby salary man that he'd come with had fallen asleep. He didn't mind. It wasn't a satisfying encounter, but he couldn't remember having one since Tetsuya died. He put his makeup back in his purse and stared at his reflection for a moment. He wondered how much longer he'd be able to stave off the inevitable signs of aging that would eventually come. Jotaro walked out of the bathroom. He looked over the salary man's naked body sprawled out on the bed. In the past, the image stirred him to wake up his partner for tonight by Tonight, however, it only made him want to go home and be alone. He grabbed his hat off the floor, put on his shoes, and left the room. He passed the front desk. As he passed the front desk, he felt self-conscious in his blouse and skirt. He held his breath until he got outside onto the sidewalk. There used to be a thrill in coming to these love hotels that prohibited gay male couples. He was almost always able to pass himself as a woman without the staff suspecting a thing. Knowing that he might be found out made the visits with Tetsuya or some other man he picked up even more exciting. Now it didn't even seem worth it. He regretted not just having the salary man take him to one that catered to gay men. He started his walk home, the neon lights of the Shinzuku district burning above him. The cool night air and the sounds of the city cleared his head and he soon realized his stomach was rumbling. He found the nearest convenience store and bought some snacks. He brought them to a bench just a couple blocks away and sat down to enjoy them. As he ate his egg sandwich, he heard footsteps approaching. He glanced up to see a woman walking toward him with her, with her head down. He figured she must be drunk or tired and went back to eating. He felt the bench shaking slightly as the woman sat down quickly on the other side as if her legs had given out. He looked over at her. She was rummaging in her trench coat pocket for something. He noticed she was wearing a surgical mask. It wouldn't have bothered him normally, but he noticed a white scar running down her cheek and behind the mask. He remembered hearing the rumors, but he thought they couldn't be true. They were just ghost stories. Then the woman slowly turned her head toward him. Her gaze made him freeze. She leaned toward him with her eyes wide and said, Am I pretty? Juntaro's mind scrambled for the right thing to say, but nothing came out of his mouth. The only thought that came clearly to him was that if his bowels weren't empty, he would have evacuated them right there. So I will have to, uh, we'll have to say that because uh, the nature of where this is going, I'm going to have to like put some beeps through that if you're cool with that. Because <laughs> <laughs> everything we do has got to be like borderline G. So, but if you're cool oh, with beeps, yeah. I can beep. Oh yeah, go yeah go. I forgot that you said that, but yeah, go ahead and beep what you need to. <laughs> but, but uh, but yeah. So that's that chapter doesn't warn you about how like wild the book gets. I mean, it, it kind of sets the tone a little bit, but it just keeps as you dig into it, it just gets more and more just like you said, fun in a, a bizarre, bizarre way. So I know um something that generally interests people at the library when they talk to authors and readings is is how did you go about getting the book published that's always like whenever there's a talk that's what people want to know so how did, what was uh, what was your journey like um well I, I it's not really interesting i would just like keep my eye out for any press that um was looking for uh, uh either horror or bizarro leaning uh novels and i would submit it to them um, and I think I've said this before, but um, I actually like 
do not remember how I initially got it in Malarkey Books' hands. I, at some point, I submitted uh, either an elevator pitch or a sample chapter to them and completely forgot about it. I, I have no idea like uh, where I found them or, uh, or what drove me to submit to them. Right. Well, I mean, whatever it was, good thing you did. That's yeah. So it was a surprise when uh, uh, the editor Alan got back to me and wanted to read the full thing. Oh, that's awesome. That's so awesome. Um, oh, it's one of the parts where I just kind of start <laughs> blanking. I don't mean to. I just I feel like for these things, you're supposed to keep like a rhythm, but I naturally just kind of talk slow. So I feel like almost like you got to like jog for a second. And I got to catch my breath. It's, <laughs> it's how it's the nature of them. But yeah, um. So uh, if, uh, like I said, if, if you're not at the, the Jefferson Public Library or uh, show a proof with the email, uh, where, uh, where else can someone snag a copy of the book? Uh, you can uh, go to malarkeybooks.com for both a physical copy and a, um, an ebook. Uh, you can go to Amazon if you really want to, to um get a physical copy. Of course, you can also uh, go to your local indie bookstore um, and order there. They would be able to uh, special order it. Uh, you can email me if you want, and I'll send you a signed copy along with a custom bookmark. Um, let's see. And uh, you can also get the ebook off the website, godless.com. Okay. So like, there's all sorts. I didn't realize there were so many avenues you could. Yeah. I mean, I pretty much just live in the library, so that's where I just think books are. I think they just show up somehow at a library. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I'm sure if you went to the library and asked for it, maybe they'd be able to uh, get it to you through an interlibrary alum. I know you keep doing all this stuff, so I know you. It was a big. It's a big deal for me that you were willing to take out the time to to sit down with me. So. Oh yeah, of course. I thought this was great. I thought I had a great time. Yeah, thanks so uh, much for having me on. Probably a good idea because I live like right in the heart of downtown Des Moines and people like to do what's called scooping the loop where they drive obnoxiously loud. Uh, it's, it doesn't usually happen on Wednesdays, but sometimes it does. It's, so they just like, it's like a thing where they just like try to rev past. Yeah, they just rev around the, cent the center of Des Moines. <laughs>